Welcome to the life of Jesus, lesson 7 today to begin with, and then we'll continue on to lesson 8. I'm going to back up to the beginning of chapter 2, because I gave you a little introduction last week, and uh, we were on page 3 of chapter 2, but I think it's better if we just start from the beginning and, and uh, just flow through. It's a big section, it'll probably take us couple of sessions to get through this, okay? And um, so we'll just begin and go, see how we, get, how we go. All right. We're going to begin in Jude chapter 1 and verse 6. So once again, we have just looked at the angels, and um, I've said here again that following the creation of the 1.5 trillion angels, uh, we have a very curious statement Again, in the epistle of Jude, we looked at this last week, where it says, And the angels which kept not their first estate. The angels which kept not their first estate. Which means they, were, they had a first estate. Amen? And something happened that they didn't keep the positions that were, they were initially given by God. It says, But left their own habitation. And he says, He has reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. And that's again the day that the um, demons are going to say to Jesus at one point in time in his earthly ministry, have you come to torment us before the time? That's the day. Alright, so this immediately tells us that there must have been some kind of rebellion in heaven and why even the Apostle Peter says in Second Peter 2.4 that God spared not the angels that sinned but cast them down to hell. Notice that? the angels got cast down to hell. See, a lot of people say, well, what are demons? Well, that verse tells you. Do you understand? There's nothing else that got cast down into hell. Hell wasn't pre-made with a few demons in there. These became the demons that we know of. Amen? Alright, and so it says here, and delivered them unto chains of, into chains of darkness. And again, remember that's a past tense thing, to be reserved unto judgment. And that's again sometime in the future. And so as to what exactly happened is what we're going to be looking at. And I, we um, looked at Ezekiel chapter 28 last time, and we started in on that. And so let's just turn the page over. Um, <coughs> and we got to the stage where we looked at Ezekiel 28 verses 11 through 15, and we noticed that this was a reference to Satan. But, one of the things that I brought out to you was that ev behind every earthly power, there is a spiritual force as well. Which is the reason why in 1 Timothy 2, 1 at the top of page 2, the Apostle Paul says, I ex exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. This is the reason why. Because people in authority are targeted by the devil to, um, you know, to, to influence them and, and to take over their lives as much as they can. All right? So the devil targets these people because if they can um, influence them sufficiently, then they will be the ruin of a whole nation, let's say. Do you understand? So why go after one small person when you can go after you know, somebody in charge of a whole bunch of people and then ruin everybody's life? Okay? So that's the reason that um, the Apostle Paul goes into, uh, says what he says in 1 Timothy, 
And also we looked at, uh, we looked in Isaiah chapter 14 and verse 12, I'm on page 3 now, uh, and we identified um, who Ezekiel was talking about in Ezekiel 28, where he, um, Isaiah just identifies him immediately and says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning. So we immediately know that this is Lucifer. Okay? There's no question about it. And also that means that Lucifer is a cherubim angel. Remember from Ezekiel, he was talking about the cherubim angels. Amen? And then he gets to chapter 28 and then points one out, as I said to you before. So we know that he's a cherubim class angel. And also, uh, following his fall, there are many names that he goes by as we all know. And the first one was found in Luke chapter 10, verse 18, where Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. All right, so notice that Isaiah 14, 12 says, how you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer. Okay, and then Jesus says, I saw Satan falling. Okay, so we know that Satan and Lucifer are the same person. All right, now added to this, we also know from Revelation 12, 9, that there are several other descriptions given of him, and this is basically where we got to. Uh, it says, so the dragon was cast out, Revelation 12, 9. Um, that old serpent called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world, he was cast out to the earth and his angels were cast out with him. All right? So um, we're going to now look at our... Last time we looked at the Believer's Study Bible and what the word Satan meant and so on and so forth. Um, I'm not going to do that again today. Uh, let's get into this. Uh, that's enough of an introduction, all right? I used up six good minutes there. Okay. <laughs> all right. So what we're going to do is, I, I mentioned this to you before. One of the things that I realized in my study of this, something that was astounding to me, was that the history that we think is ours isn't ours. It actually has come from another time from another realm, basically. And because the thing that caused that history now is influencing people in this realm, it's repeating itself. Do you understand? So history is repeating itself. And the reason why it's in, in cycles it keeps repeating itself, because it has come from somewhere and from a time when something else was in charge and something else was going on. And we haven't still understood that in order to resist it, fight against it, and realize that it is coming from, um, we're being influenced by another being. Okay? Alright, and why God wants to ha have so much to do with our lives in the way we think and what we do. Because otherwise we automatically fall under the influence of the devil. Like it or not, there is no such thing as free thinking. Okay, the only freedom you have is to choose between God and the devil. That's it. After that, nothing is free. <laughs> okay, all right. So let's go and look at Ezekiel chapter 28 and beginning in verse 2 because we're going to see how the one reflects the other. In Ezekiel chapter 28, in verse 2 through to verse 10, Ezekiel is about to talk about the prince of Tyre who is being totally influenced by the devil. So this is an actual human being that he's talking to. Um, let me just mention this. I, I had this on my heart last week to say, and I thought we did have the time, so let me mention this now. Um, in this paragraph, or in this section of scripture, 
the man is referred to as a prince, the devil is referred to as the king. All right? In other scriptures, you'll find that the devil is referred to as the prince and the man as the king. All right? Why? The reason, uh, that puzzled me for a long time. You know, I thought, why can't we just keep it simple? I like being simple, you know what I mean? And uh, I suddenly realized that there is a difference between those people that want to be influenced by the devil and like to be influenced by him. They are the princes. He is the king. There are other people that, I guess in a sense, want to be more in charge of their life and they'll allow Satan limited access into the life. Now you're going to get, you know, like I said, you're going to get influenced regardless. You're either being influenced by God or the devil. But those people that are uh, more in control of their lives in a sense, you know, and there are some people that like that, uh, and they allow a certain amount of evil in, those are the ones that you see then that the person is the king and uh, the devil is the prince because he has limited access. All right, so the real power, and which means when, when a person is, is spoken of in that way, then the person that is you know, considered king, while the devil is the prince, has more to answer for. Because they do exactly what they want to do. Do you understand the difference? All right, so the one that allows the devil a little bit of input into their life and wants to run their life the way they want to run, and it's evil what they're doing, all right, are, are seen as the kings. But this one now is seen as uh, one of the devil's puppets, basically. All right? Doesn't, isn't smart enough to realize that he's just being overrun okay, by an evil influence. So let's begin, having said all of that. He says, Son of man, give the prince of, prince of Tyre this message from the sovereign Lord. In your great pride, you claim, I am a God. Interesting. All right? Now watch the parallels. All right? I sit on a divine throne in the heart of the sea, but you are only a man and not a god, though you boast that you are like a god. Verse 3. You regard yourself as wiser than Daniel and think no secret is hidden from you. With your wisdom and understanding, you have amassed great wealth. Now watch that. With your wisdom and understanding. All right? You're going to see where this comes from. You have amassed great wealth. Now that is something that every, everyone that is influenced by the devil seems to want to do that. All right? And you're going to see why. All right? I've underlined certain things because they are going to, they're going to parallel what Satan does and what he did. It says, gold and silver for your treasuries. Yes, your wisdom, verse 5, has made you very rich and your riches have made you very proud. Interesting. Watch the progression. Okay, verse 6. Therefore, this is what the Sovereign Lord says. Because you think you are as wise as a god, verse 7, I will bring against you an enemy army, the terror of the nations. They will suddenly draw their swords against your marvelous wisdom and defile your splendor. Verse 8. They will bring you down to the pit. Interesting, the wording now. And you will die there on your island home in the heart of the sea, pierced with many wounds. Verse 9. Will you then boast, I am a god, to those who kill you? <laughs> okay, he's going to say, what are you going to say then when you're dead? Uh, how can you, you can't kill a god, you know what I'm trying to say? Okay. He says, to them, you will be no god, but merely a man. 
you will die like an outcast at the hands of foreigners I the sovereign Lord have spoken Wow now we're going to look at those verses one at a time alright needless to say because it's only when you understand those verses when we get to looking at Satan you begin to see some striking parallels throughout this man's life in comparison to his past life alright now with, so I don't miss anything I'm just gonna follow my notes is that okay alright alright what's astounding about these verses is that it actually sets the stage for what God is going to reveal to Ezekiel about the real power behind this earthly throne namely the king of Tyre who is none other than Satan himself in fact everything that is said here is a reflection of what was in Satan's or Lucifer's heart when he decided to rebel against God catch that okay you see whatever is influencing us that heart and that influence comes from a being you know it, it that's the reason why somebody once said to me you know you see people that are like born again and and spiritual Christians so to speak okay and I don't I'm not discounting denominations all right because they have them too all right he says you see them around the world and they're all the same you can just almost they just have that same joy they have that same excitement they have that same sparkle you know so to speak and I know there are bad ones too I get it okay all right but we're talking about the good ones okay but you know and and he said and also he said what's interesting is all those that serve the devil they look the same too they all have the same traits the same kind of personalities the same kind of hang-ups everything you know and that really got me thinking and when I hit this passage of scripture I remembered that and I thought wow that's right very interesting observation and here's the scripture to back it up amen alright so let's keep going therefore if we were to substitute angel now in the passage for man and God for a God we would get some tremendous insights into what led Satan to fall alright so we're gonna do something here kinda a little clever here so you can see what's behind this alright so let's do that so verse 2 it says in your great pride you claim that I instead of saying a God I'm gonna say I am God because now we're gonna see this from where it's actually coming alright I sit on a divine throne but you are only an angel and not God this is a do you understand it's a rebuke that is coming down and it's going to pass from the man to Satan in just a moment alright but watch this because the way that God disciplines or the way that God judges this is the same judgment he's going to bring on Satan okay alright so it's that, that's why I'm putting this in so you can see it because if you don't do this until I did this I didn't see it once I did this I thought oh it's so obvious now alright so it says but you are only an angel and not God though you boast that you are like God alright so what this is actually what this actually tells us is that when God first created the earth in the spirit realm he must have assigned certain of his angels an earthly throne from which to rule we're gonna see that however we're going to find that for one of these ruling angels one throne wasn't enough he lusted after all of them and over time he set his sights on God's throne as well which ultimately led to his judgment and punishment 
this is what this is where we're going with this all right so what gave him this confidence is brought out in verses 3 through 5 which says you regard yourself as wiser than God all right since Daniel's wisdom was obviously God's wisdom and think no secret is hidden from you with your wisdom and understanding you have amassed great wealth gold silver and your uh, for your treasuries yes your wisdom has made you very rich and your riches have made you very proud in other words Satan actually thought himself to be smarter than God I told you I'll, I'll explain to you why Satan thought he could do what he could do alright this is the deception that begins alright the first thing you think is you are smarter than God how many people are there like that today that walk around and you wanna you know say do you know the Lord and well oh you know brother I don't need that crutch thanks very much you know I'll just do what I want with my life you know I'm smart enough to look after it okay and it's just like okay and he says therefore fully capable of taking over God's throne so in other words Satan actually thought himself to be again smarter than God and fully capable of taking over God's throne again with some help of course and he truly believed that no secret was hidden from him. How dumb is that? But you need to understand now that Satan, we don't know how long it was before Satan decided to rebel. Okay, now the people that try to keep everything in a 6,000 year period, okay, which is what, you know, the flaw in that is just ridiculous. Alright, say that, oh, within the first week the angels rebelled and they fell and Satan was cast out and that's how come he ended up in the garden and blah blah blah. I find that really difficult to handle and believe. Because it would have taken a fair bit of time for Satan to have gathered an army that was one third of all of heaven. Give me a break. Oh, you just think, where did these people come from? You know, I'm just wow. Okay, it's just ridiculous. But that's what happens when you try to fit your theory into what you think is, what you think is the way it should be because you can't account for time periods and everything else you say well it all happened in this one little time and then they have this and they do it by saying oh well doesn't the bible say you know one day is as to a thousand years and a thousand years is to one day and you know all those sort of stuff and they'll throw all those things scriptures around but can i just say this to you yeah heaven is timeless it is timeless and it's very old okay in our perception of the, the way we measure time it's very old Alright, and as far as I'm concerned, this thing happened over, who knows, could be millions of years. Which is why Satan would have been watching God. Let's just say, okay, can we play, okay, pretend for a minute? Let's say Satan was watching God, alright? And, I mean, when he was first created and he was this magnificent creature, just like the other cherubim were, they were magnificent creatures. I don't want to take anything away from the other cherubim just because I don't like the devil. <laughs> okay? They were magnificent creatures, incredible things. They were, you know, that's the reason why God surrounded them. Okay, surrounded himself with them, excuse me. Alright? Um, uh, but you know, here it is. Now some people think that Satan was, you know, leading praise and worship and stuff. Beg to differ. It says that he's it, we're gonna talk, we're gonna see how he talks about, you know, that he, he was musical in a lot of different ways which is the reason why he uses music and visuals to drive or lead people astray today. Okay, it's his strength. Listen now, it is the strength of every cherubim to do that. Can I leave that with you now? Any cherubim can do that. Alright, that's how they're designed. That's how they're created. Okay? 
Now, somebody I remember once, I'm, I'm jumping tracks, but I want to share some of these things with you because sometimes we miss things. I remember at one point in time, you know, as, as I got to know the Lord and as I started, I guess my intelligence started to go up. Hallelujah. I was dumb as a wooden spoon. I actually got the wooden spoon at school, you know. Seriously, I, was, I, was, I came last in the class. I was dumb, all right? And when I found God and, you know, I started confessing I have the mind of Christ and everything else, all right? Um, I was telling my kids, you know, I had to... I was going from year 10 to year 11, and, the, and I wanted to do certain subjects, the ones that Sarah's doing now. And the only way I could do that, because I was in the second science class, the only way I could do that was to actually come first in that class. Nothing else, because there was only one mark in, assigned to that class that would allow you to do the subjects I want to do. So I had to literally come first. You know? So I was confessing on myself, and I remember my Christian friend said, Oh, you know, brother, I, you know, that's a gift of God. I said, no, that's just intelligence. That's not a gift. Okay. <laughs> and I know sometimes people make it look like a gift, but you know anybody, if they put their mind to it, can be smart. I'm just saying. And again, you need to engage God in your life. All right? You need that miracle to happen. But it's a miracle that can happen. Do you understand? Because it isn't something that's a gift. It's something that is built into you as an ability. Okay, that is something that as a human being, you should be able to do. And I explained to my friends, I said, no. I said, before the fall, we would have all been smart. What he didn't understand, all right, and what people don't get now, and I want to share this with you, is that it isn't about what you can do, it's about who you are. That's what makes you different. Do you understand? Okay, so you can have some people that are kind, some people that are compassionate, some people that are merciful, all good traits. And you can have a certain kind of a flair for certain things. That's a part of God's life in you that makes you unique. Alright, some are called to serve, some are called to lead. Those are gifts. Those are gifts. But, you know, just because you're called to lead doesn't mean, okay, now that person has to be really smart. And because you're called to serve, that's a dumb person. Let's keep him dumb. No. You know, the best of the best are the ones that are brilliant in their field. Whether they're serving, they're leading, whether they're whatever it is. Do you understand? So that's not something that you say, oh no brother, you know, that person's gifted to be smart. No, that's not a gift. That is an ability as a human being that you should have in the family of God. And you can, that's why we can claim the mind of Christ. Are you all with me? Okay. So there is a difference between what you can do and who you are, and some of the unique things that God puts in you. Alright? Some of the things that are His personality, can I say that? Okay? That He shares with you. Alright? And so we can walk in certain things more strongly than other people, because that part of the life of God in us shines forth a bit brighter. Because God chose that way. He, you know what? He gets to do that. Alright? But so I, you know, I realized that. And in that realization also comes the realization for what we're looking at now. Alright? The cherubim can all sing. They can all, you know, they can, <laughs> um, how can I say, make, bring music to life in such a way that they have actually said that you can actually see music in colors. Is this the first time you're hearing this? Alright? They can actually see music. Alright? Music actually has color to it. Now do you understand why 
it's audio-visual. Okay, because Satan is used to manipulating both because they're one and the same. Do you know the stars that we see? You know the light that we see? Do you know that's actually music? You don't know that either. Okay, the light from the stars are actually music. Every color has a musical tone attached to it. So if you could actually listen to the stars, you'd actually be hearing music. Before we lost our canopy, and, and we might talk about that when we get to when God recreated the earth. When we had this big canopy over us, okay, it acted as a radio, and it actually talks about in the Bible that there was music in the morning and in the evening. The light that the stars would give out, the ferment that's over the earth, okay, was actually, they have actually discovered that it was a crystalline, now let me get this right, it was a transparent crystalline hydrogen metal. Because hydrogen is one of those rare things, it's the first thing on the periodic table, and it's on the metallic side, and I could never figure out why. Hydrogen's on the metallic side, helium is on the other side, which is the noble, first of the noble gases, all right? And, it's, and those are the only two at the top of the, on the first row. After that, you start getting all the other metals from left to right, okay? And then they become non-metals and noble gases and blah, blah, blah. But it was really interesting. I never could understand why hydrogen, a gas, we all think it is a gas, right? Was stuck on the left-hand side under all the metals, the first metal. And now they have proven that that's exactly what was, that was the firmament that was covering this planet. And because of its metallic structure and its crystalline structure, it picked up all the music that the stars gave. All right, and so we were hearing music. Man was surrounded by music when he was first made. All right, so you'd be walking and you just have this beautiful music coming, and it would be the stars. They'd be singing to you. Isn't that beautiful? Okay, morning, noon, and night. It'd just be there, especially at night. Okay, when the sun was on the other side, and you just hear all the stars coming through. So you wouldn't just see the light, you would hear the light. All right, so having said all of that, let me just, all right. So that's, that is the reason why. So we now understand, and science now understands, that music and um, color and music go hand in hand. If you see light, there's music. If you hear music, you can actually get light from it. All right? In another realm, you can actually see it as light. All right? It's called the electromagnetic. Anyway, we're, we're getting very scientific now. Let's move on. All right? But the, the, the point I want to make is this. God created these creatures to, to, to excel in that area. And this one creature that rebelled, all right? And people said, oh, because, and this is the point I was going to make. So let me make my point now. Because they were so outstanding at music and manipulating music and being able to do extraordinary things with music, they said, oh, Lucifer must have been the leader of praise and worship in heaven. Wrong. One very interesting thing about heaven is this. Uh, here's good news for all the ones that can't sing and have to sing in the shower. When you get to heaven, you can all sing. All right? You'll be able to sing, not flat. All right? Everybody can sing. All right? All the angels have gorgeous voices. All right? 
And this is where, again, we mistook one angel's capabilities that was assigned to all the angels. We mistook it to be unique to one. Because Isaiah was pointing one out and saying, my gosh, you were built this way. You were made with all of these things. That wasn't Isaiah saying, you, Lucifer, by yourself, only you were given all of these things. I, Ezekiel was saying, no, cherubim angels were created in this way. They were incredible. So, you know, when you see a horse, all of them can run. All of them have the same, you know, they can, they can neigh and they can do all those things. Because that's a horse. That's what a horse does. Okay, if you see a peacock, all of them have those in the males have the big beautiful feathers. There wouldn't be one male peacock with beautiful feathers and all the other ones look like little runs everywhere. Do you understand? And so if you're looking at one, you'd be going, wow. You know, God gave you all of these beautiful features. Why did you go whatever? Okay, and that is the whole point of what's going to be brought out. Alright? So you need to understand, oh gosh, it took a long time. But I hope this, you're getting something from this. I mean, some days I need to talk to you, okay? Alright, I hope, you know, you understand that this was an attribute of um, cherubim angels. That was their attributes. So if you said, what can a cherubim angel do? Well, there it is. All right? They're masters of manipulation of music and sound and color. They, go, they can just do incredible things. Hence, they worship around God's throne. God's throne, therefore, doesn't just have music. It has color emanating from it. Are you getting this? Getting the picture now? Okay. It's just gorgeous to look at. Alright? It's just incredible to look at. Alright. So you see and you hear things that would just melt you. Alright? Okay. <coughs> My goodness. Where was I? Alright. <laughs> so. Um, very proud. Alright. So. <coughs> Let's go to, where was I? Where did I leave off? Was it on page 5? Yeah. Where did I finish? In verse 6? Or well, let's start at the beginning. In other words, Satan actually thought himself to be again smarter than God, therefore fully capable of taking over God's throne. He truly believed again that no secret was hidden from him. And so to this ruler, who was being influenced by Satan, that his very thoughts were the thoughts of the devil himself, God says in verse 6 through 8, so we're in the second part on page 5, Alright. He says in Ezekiel twenty eight six, therefore this is what the sovereign Lord says. Because you think you think uh, you are as wise as God, I'm, again I'm putting this in to show you what's actually behind it, alright, and what was actually said. And we're gonna see these almost exact words now in a minute. He says, I will bring against you an army. Now this would be the Archangel Michael and his army. Alright? They will suddenly draw their swords against your marvelous wisdom and defile your splendor. They will bring you down to the pit referring to hell, and you will die there. Separation from God is regarded as spiritual death, which Satan was, all right? Pierced with many wounds. Now this last verse parallels what God said to Isaiah in Isaiah 14 and verse 15, referring to Lucifer, and that is, yet you should be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. Interesting, isn't it? All right, that same language is used in that verse. So again, without getting too carried away with this account in Ezekiel 28, all right, verses 1 through 11, I think it's still fascinating and worthwhile looking at since it so closely parallels what is said uh, in, that should be, all right, in Isaiah 14 when God is addressing Lucifer or Satan directly. In the final two verses of this section, it says that, that, will you then boast, I am God to those who kill you, to them 
you will be no God, but merely an angel. You will die like an outcast, I, the sovereign Lord, have spoken. So this sentence of death is still to be carried out, although there is some question about Satan actually being able to die. Although the more relevant question would be, can God destroy what he created? To which I believe the answer would actually be yes. All right. Now, with all this background in place, let's go and look at verses 11 and 12 more closely as it addresses Satan more directly. All right, so it begins here. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me. All right, meaning that this wasn't a vision, but God actually speaking or dictating to Ezekiel. All right, notice the word of the Lord. It wasn't a vision, it was a word. All right, he says, Son of man, now take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, you were the seal of perfection, or more accurately, the model of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. All right? So, you know, you know how we, we use those phrases? All right? In fact, let me just let me read this. Here we see, first of all, when Lucifer was created, he was created perfect. That's the key thing. All right? Point number one. And because he was flawless, as is with all God's creations, anyone looking at him would say that he was the model of perfection. So do you understand how that phrase is used? All right, so we have to be careful again how we use these phrases because again, people look at this stuff and then they misinterpret it. They say, oh, he was the model of perfection in that, you know, that was the perfect model and then other things came from it. Man, if that was the case and we're in trouble, every other angel that came after him is a problem. <laughs> yeah, you're with me, okay? But the way that the verse is said you know, you can say, you know, that is, you know, that's the, the model of beauty or the model of perfection or the model of whatever. It's, it's a way of saying, you know, there is, there is something that uh, uh, um, perfectly personifies, you know, beauty or kindness or, okay, whatever. Okay, from that place. All right. This did not mean that he was any more perfect than any of the other angels that God created, like Gabriel or Michael. But since he was flawless then what he ended up becoming had nothing to do with God and everything to do with his own willful disobedience. That is the whole key to what was said. Alright? So, in other words, what that verse first brings out is that God made you perfect. There was absolutely nothing wrong with the creation. Therefore, anything that went wrong with that creation was the creation's fault. See, one of the things that God did to make uh, any creation perfect all right, sentient creation perfect, was to give it a will. Like I said before, I can program my computer to say, hi, good morning, and I love you, and you think you're the best thing in the whole world. That means nothing, because I can program the thing in. Okay? <laughs> now, if I woke up and somebody said that to me, that didn't need to say that to me, and had a will of their own, that would mean a lot to me. I wouldn't have to get my head big or anything, but you know, that, you know what I'm trying to say? And then just the way your kids, you know, if, the kid, if your kids say, I love you, they don't have to say that. Okay? They're expressing affection. Alright? And they're saying something to you that you didn't program them to say. So, therefore, this is one of the key things that you realize that anything that God created had to have a will and be able to make decisions about whether or not they would serve God or not. Okay? Because he didn't want robots. He wanted things that had a mind of their own that could think their own thoughts, that had variety and, and um, how can I put this, personality that would abound. Okay, and that's what makes it so brilliant, you know. That's what makes things so special when you get so many different kinds of people 
you know, that have all different thoughts and ideas and ways of doing things. And, it, you know, variety brings flavor. You understand? So that's what God did. It was, that was a part of the perfection. However, the only problem with that is as much as an angel can choose to serve God, an angel can also choose to rebel against God. And we'll pick that up in the next session.